What about Marshall Black? Nick Matheson asked as he shuffled through the documents in his lap. He was a bit nervous. Sure, analysts get asked to vet possible recruits all the time. But reports were always delivered to the department heads by scout liaison. So why was he sitting in Ian Kelly's office? Yes. Yes, Marshall is a great candidate. He's been in the game for a while now, and he and our guys have bumped into each other a time or two. He's already had some work done, sir. And his psychological and behavioral scores that I pulled from the database look exceptional. Okay. Get with James Madison and help track Mr. Black down and bring him in. Yes, sir. Nick placed a file on top of the stack he was already carrying and quickly made his way for the door. Oh, and Nick? Nick's hand had just reached out for the handle of the office's glass door. He turned to see Ian smirking as he leaned back in his dark leather chair. When you get back downstairs, pack up your desk. You'll be moving up here with us. Madison will fill you in. Yes, sir. Thank you. I I really appreciate that. You don't need to give an acceptance speech. Just move on. Yes, sir. Nick said as he turned and walked into the still-closed glass door. The room was completely silent. Nick could feel Ian's eyes staring at him. Nick adjusted the files in his hand, opened the door this time, and left the office, almost afraid to look behind him. 2354 hours, Zchan Technologies, Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. I had been waiting in the parking garage for over an hour at this point. The office had been closed and the last member of the cleaning crew had already locked up and left for the evening. Maybe the email was meant to draw me out so they could see if anyone was onto them. If that were the case, I knew it meant staying the night in the car until the company opened for business. If anyone left before then, they would know something was up and may abort the mission. A freelance security advisor wears many hats. Sometimes he's an engineer helping to build an environment that helps catch or at least provides an obvious deterrent from people thinking they can steal corporate intel from a company. Other times, he's a hacker, racing against the clock to stop the flow of corporate information from leaving secure servers illegally. The list goes on, but this hat was my favorite tool. Field work. You work an investigation for months, learning all about the company, gathering information, collecting human intelligence, having total access to project files and personnel records, all the while everyone just thinks you're a newly hired business analyst or some other bullshit position that would allow you free roam of the office and the ability to interview employees at will. Using the, we're trying to build a more positive synergy in your department. What can you tell me about you and your employees? Is one of my favorite angles to play. C-Chan Technologies is a firm that creates robotics for industrial applications. For example, have you ever wondered how a 20,000 square foot warehouse can load over 100 trucks in a day and only be staffed by four workers? Well, probably not. But it's more than likely because of something these guys designed. They hold contracts with businesses worldwide, but lately, they've noticed some smaller companies undercutting their contracts with almost exact plans and tech as they were currently drawing up. Z-Chan's legal team contacted me and hired me on as an HR solutions manager. After a couple of days, I stayed late to install replica HVAC controllers. These little gems look and perform just like a normal HVAC thermostat, but will intercept wireless signals that exist in a secure room, logs the IMEI, and notifies me by private email. This seems like a surefire way to catch a mole. However, You'd be surprised how many people will risk their employment in order to text the cute person they met at the bar last night. So the next step is finding out whose phone was picked up and doing some intelligence collecting. After a week of interviews and research, I had narrowed it down to an employee on the R&D team named Ramon Vasquez. He had been working for the company for five years this December. His personnel profile stated that he was a middle child, never really athletic, and had been passed up for promotions due to subpar work ethic. He had a flair for the dramatic. Everyone was always out to get him. Nothing was ever really his fault entirely, etc. This was the guy. I was sure of it. I called in sick the next day and went to the address stated in his personnel file, a small apartment on the east side of town. It was in a very nice middle-class area, surrounded by several shops and restaurants. Breaking in wasn't hard. He only locked the doorknob. It always surprises me how many people never use a deadbolt on a door.
I picked the lock and quickly slipped inside. Then I heard the beep. Damn it. He had an automated security system. I quickly jacked into the maintenance port of the keypad and brought up my data pad. I had to break through two separate security encryptions to get to the root folder and access his pin. With only seconds remaining, I punched in the pin and hit enter. This was risky. The folder could have been a decoy, but I doubt this kid is spending that kind of money on a security system. The enter button turned from red to green. I was good. It was a nice apartment on the second floor. It had a modern design, but not dark and gloomy like others I've seen. The warm tones and light-colored wood floors made the apartment very inviting and open. I quickly spotted his laptop and opened it to install a keylogger and background app. This allowed me to tap into the computer's mic, camera, and desktop, as well as store everything that was typed. That was it. Piece of cake. I secured the laptop and made my way for the door when I heard someone outside of it. It was a female's voice. Must be a girlfriend or something. I scanned the apartment quickly for a place to hide. Time slowed to a crawl while my brain was in overdrive. Her words became a muffled babble as I could hear each pin in the tumbler lifting and falling as the key was inserted into the lock. The minimalist and modern design that felt so open and inviting before was now my enemy. Still standing in front of the door, the tumbler began to turn. There was a small island in the open kitchen to my right, but that wouldn't provide much cover. Plus, any sound in this open space would carry. I moved to the open door on my left. It was a bathroom. Of course it would be. Statistically, bathrooms and kitchens are the first rooms people go into after getting home. The front door opened. I quickly slipped into the shower, being careful to time any noise I made with the noise she was making as she shut the door, tossed her keys on the kitchen island, and set down some shopping bags. My breathing was controlled, but I could feel the weight of every breath in my chest. I could feel the increased rhythmic hammering of my heart in my neck and forehead. Now able to concentrate, I could tell by the one-sided speech pattern that she was talking on the phone. So my brother flies in this afternoon. I'll pick him up around 3.30. I heard the refrigerator open and items from the shopping bag being removed. I already got all the stuff for dinner tonight. He's so excited to meet you. I needed to start thinking about a way to get out of here. I slowly pulled back the shower curtain just enough to see out. I could see her putting groceries away. She had long brown hair with blonde highlights in it. From the back, she looked very fit and attractive. I would guess she was in her mid to late 20s and was the type that would try to fight me off rather than run away if she found me in her shower. I looked at the keys she had tossed on the island. Her car had a passive entry system. I brought up my data pad and started a frequency sweep between the ranges of 4 and 500 megahertz. The receiver picked up the key fob right away, 432.37 megahertz. I loaded my transmitter with that frequency. By the time I looked back up, she was no longer in the kitchen, and I could hear her voice somewhere in the back of the apartment. I triggered the frequency for the panic button. Nothing happened. I tried again. Damn it. I was too far away. Don't worry, Ramon. He's going to love you. I could hear her voice moving closer to me. I pressed my back to the wall of the shower, still making sure I could see through the small opening I had made. Okay, babe. I'm going to get ready to pick him up. I'll see you tonight. She walked in the bathroom. I was motionless, taking my breaths as short and shallow as possible. She was standing in front of the sink, past my line of sight now. I hope she just needs to touch up some makeup before she goes out. <laughs> You're stupid. I love you too. And no working late tonight. I see her pass by as she leaves the bathroom. I quickly access my data pad again and hack into the house Wi-Fi as I hear her end the call with Ramon. I quickly gain access to the Wi-Fi and use it to boost the radio frequency to set off the car alarm. Yes, it worked. I heard the car's horn beep repeatedly. I accessed the signal jammer that I had already set up with the fob's frequency. This would make it so the fob would appear to be out of range and hopefully lead her outside, allowing me time to escape. As I watched for her to grab the keys, it occurred to me that she may not realize that it's her car's alarm at first. My fears were confirmed when I saw her enter the bathroom, wearing nothing but a green towel she had slung over her shoulder. I 
caught myself tilting my head for a better look and felt my face involuntary make an expression of confusion. Man, she is way out of his league. <laughs> when Ramon gets out of prison, he's going to need to start giving classes or something. I quickly snap back to the reality at hand. I start planning how to incapacitate her without causing harm and make this whole thing look like a home invasion gone bad. She turned on the sink's faucet and began washing her makeup off. I'll have to steal a couple of things, including the laptop to make it believable, I thought to myself as she turned off the sink's faucet. I'll leave it at the bottom of the stairs though, and make it look like I dropped it trying to escape. She tossed a towel over the shower rod. I'll just go straight through this shower curtain so she'll have no description to give police. As she approaches, I'll wrap her up at it, step out of the tub, and move behind her and put her in a sleeper hold until she's unconscious. Her hand reached in to touch the shower faucet. I started a countdown inside my head. Five. Four. Three. We both jumped as she pulled her hand back suddenly at the sound of the doorbell. She pulled the towel from the curtain rod, and I saw her pass by and approach the door, still holding the towel in her hand. Who is it? It's Maria, honey. Your car alarm's going off. What? The woman wrapped the towel around her, unlocked, and opened the door. I could feel some relief pass over my body, but I wasn't out of this yet. I set the jamming signal and continued to watch the door as the woman opened it. Yeah, no one's by it or anything. Maria assured the woman, who still kept the towel wrapped around her and her body hidden behind the door. That's weird. Okay, thanks, Maria. Oh, you should come by later. I'll introduce you to my brother. He's single. Hmm, I might have to take you up on that. <laughs> See you later. The woman picked up her keys and walked towards the window. I could hear her get frustrated that the fob wasn't working. Why won't this damn thing work? She stomped towards the back of the apartment. A couple of seconds later, I saw her walking to the front door, wearing a pair of shorts and a t-shirt. I knew my jammer would cover the entire second floor, so she would have to go down at least one level to shut the alarm off. As she exited the apartment, I slowly exited the shower, then the bathroom. I approached the front door carefully and slowly, like a cat stalking a mouse. I waited until I heard her get down to the first landing, then I quickly left her apartment and made my way up the stairs to the third floor, just in time to see Maria entering her own apartment. Finally, the woman got the alarm to shut off and came back upstairs. I heard the front door to her apartment slam shut, and then I started to make my way back down the steps. A few days had passed with no contact from his handlers. Waiting was the worst part. You wonder, did he find the keylogger? Did I miss a security camera? Or did I pick the wrong target? Patience was key in this game. Sure enough, it paid off. Ramon was contacted by his handler with an email address from an encrypted server. It took some time chasing fake IP addresses, but I tracked it down to a server owned by VBK Technologies. They were a competing company out of Singapore. Long story short, Tonight was the night that good old Ramon was going to upload the tech designs and contract details to VBK's private server. Which brings us back to now, with me waiting in a parking structure. What time was it? I looked at my data pad. 02.49. Shit. Had I missed him somehow? Was I being set up? If it was a setup, was it just a fact-finding mission? Or did they plan on taking out the threat to their operation? Starting to get a little stir-crazy with all the possibilities, I decided to move up to get a closer look. Using the dark side of the street to my advantage, I moved towards the delivery dock on the south side of the property. The Z-Chan building was lit up like a beacon with the exception of this route. The fenced-in lot under construction of a soon-to-be 12-story structure across the street provided excellent cover, as well as an easy way to lose anyone I may need to flee from. I posted up on the fourth floor of this structure and made my way to the end of an I-beam. I scanned the area using the third-gen TAC optics I had installed. They were well worth the money. Aside from the random vehicle passing by the main road past the parking structure, there was nothing to see. I switched my optics to infrared and searched for any heat signatures in the area. With no visual confirmation that I had been set up and no sign of Ramon, I started to wonder if he had a change of heart. The upload would take over an hour. He should be here by now. 
Only one thing left to do before returning to the parking structure and spending the rest of the night in my car. I have to check the data log just to make sure I didn't miss him somehow. I made my way to the service entrance and jacked into the security pad to see what the last door activity was. When I pulled up my screen, there was just a simple message that displayed the words, Happy Birthday. The entire security network was disabled. All doors were unlocked. All monitoring systems disabled. Everything was offline. Fuck. It was a setup. Happy Birthday. What the hell does that mean? My stomach felt immediately sick as my pulse quickened. I grabbed my pistol from my thigh rig and positioned my back to the wall while I looked around for the incoming ambush. I jumped as I heard some sort of commotion from behind the door. It sounded like a box had fallen from a shelf. I heard it again along with faint muffled voices. It sounded like a struggle was going on just behind the door. I stood to the left of the door and slowly opened it with my right hand, keeping my weapon trained on the inside of the building. It was pitch black inside. I activated my night vision but couldn't see anybody. The struggle became louder as I entered the loading bay. The room had several rows of shelving stacked three high with incoming and outgoing shipments on them. I took cover at each diamond plate end cap as I peered down each row. More boxes were falling as the shelving in the fourth row shook. I made my way to the row and crouched down. I took a deep breath and looked around the corner ready for anything. As I peered around the corner I saw only one man. He was in his underwear zip tied to an office chair with his mouth duct tape violently trying to free himself. I stood up and walked towards him, still ready for anything. He could be bait. I started down the row. He saw me and I could see the fear in his eyes as I approached him. It was Ramon. He didn't appear to have any injuries, just a paper taped to his chest with a bow in the upper left corner that said, We need to talk. Sincerely, Synthetic Corporation. He had no idea who I was due to wearing my balaclava and tactical gear. I quickly removed the tape from his mouth. Please, don't kill me. I'm not here to kill you, Ramon. How did you end up like this? It was now apparent that Ramon had pissed himself. I don't know, man. I was getting in my car at my apartment. I got stung or poked by something under my door handle. I woke up here tied to this fucking chair. I'm so sorry I messed this up. Please don't kill me. Ramon, I don't work for VBK. I'm not going to kill you. But you are going to jail, and it would appear that I have a meeting to get to. I ripped the paper off of his chest and put it into my pocket. Just about that time, the floodlights all kicked on and an audible alarm began to sound. Were they watching me? Or was it a hack on a timer? Either way, it was time to clear out of there. I left Ramon tied to the chair for the local police to find. On my way back to the car, I called XC Tech's legal secretary and let her know that Ramon would be getting picked up and that my full report and evidence would be sent to the company's legal team shortly. A large, almost space-age looking building appeared as the driver crested the hill. He had been already waiting on me as I landed in Denver. He took me about an hour west, way up in the mountains. I saw several roads that branched off the main road, past the security checkpoint. How big is this place? Yeah, not sure exactly, but there are three different labs, two buildings for cybersecurity division, and the uh, aeronautics and space center over there. Synthetic Corporation started out by making high-grade robotics and was best known for producing the first components allowed for human use. Back when they were known as Synthetic Medical Solutions Global, they started out by making prosthetics that actually worked with the human body, not just part of it. Eyes that could actually give back sight, limbs that were actually grafted to the nervous system. Then they started talking about augmented systems to enhance certain human abilities. This was quickly made illegal. The argument was that it was along the same lines of cloning, and it was unethical and no scientist should be allowed to play God. Taking a step back after the shutdown of their augment research, SMS Global invented the Shelter Information Network, hence the sin in their new name, Synthetic Corporation. Using a small advanced implant, much like a RFID chip, they designed a way for everyone to be part of a network. It could find lost people, allow you to make and receive payments, let you know your current health reports, hell, it could even alert emergency services if any of the sensors detected you had a life-threatening condition. Long story short, they became the leading edge in cybersecurity, started experimenting with and producing functional AI technology. And soon after the implementation of the Shelter Information Network, 
which was branded to the public a product called Safe Citizen. They soon became a quasi-government agency, much like the Postal Service, still a company, but now able to have its own law enforcement agency, and was given the responsibility of handling all cybercrimes and AI regulations. The driver pulled up in front of a building, and a tall young man wearing a very nice gray suit opened the door for me. Mr. Black, thank you for coming. Mr. Kelly is already waiting for you in the conference room, right this way. I apologize. I'm not exactly sure what I'm doing here quite yet. Tell me, who is this Mr. Kelly? Oh, no problem at all. Mr. Kelly is director in charge of the SIC. As to why you're here, I'm afraid I don't know. Anything coming from the director of anything is a bit above my pay grade. He replied as he ushered me into the large glass doors of the building. The SIC. I felt my stomach turn while a sudden rush of heat traveled up my spine and spilled out around my neck as my body went into fight or flight. This isn't good. My mind now frantically retracing every mission, every contact, every location and company I've worked for in the last five years. Each step filled my heart with even more dread than the last. Every corner we turned, I expected SIC agents to be waiting there to take me into custody. I haven't broken any laws, but in my line of work, the gray area can shift from time to time. If someone wanted to burn me and had some information, it wouldn't be hard to take one of those questionable moments, add some misinformation, and set up a witch hunt to have me investigated. At that point, it's all up to how the investigating agency perceives the information and my ability to sell what the gray area in question was and that it was above board. Suddenly it hit me. This is about my implants. Shit. I'd gotten so used to them over the years that I'd almost forgot I had them. They can't get me for that. Sure, I've gotten a few illegal mods installed, but there's no way they could know about that. Here we are. Break through these doors, Mr. Black. The well-dressed man said with a smile as we came to a halt in front of a mirrored glass door. Uh, thank you. <clears throat> I stood up straight and opened the door. As I entered the room, there were three men sitting on one side of a long wooden conference table. The man who sat in the middle motioned for me to have a seat across from them. He was a large but still in shape man, probably in his late 40s, with a shaved head and wore a very government-issue looking black suit and blue tie. More distinctively, he also had an eye patch. To his right was a younger, medium-sized muscular man, wearing a vest, black tie, and slacks. He was much more relaxed than the other man in the center. On the left was a skinny young man wearing a bland white business shirt and slacks. He looked nervous and out of place compared to the other two men. Marshal, my name is Ian Kelly. I'm the director of the SIC. The man in the center said, making direct eye contact with me as I sat down. This is Senior Agent James Knighton. Ian said, motioning to the muscular man on his right. And this is our senior analyst, Nick Madison. He said as he tilted his head in the direction of the smaller man on his left. Now, I'm sure that you would like to know why you're here. I believe I already know why, Mr. Kelly. Oh, you do? <clears throat> yes. And before we go any further, I think it should be on the record that I was employed by the government and my implants were greenlit by my supervisor and this company for experimental use before the ban. Ian just stared at me for what seemed like forever. <laughs> We know about that. We also know that you had them modified. I mean, we had the modder arrested, but that's not why you're here. I was relieved to hear that, and slightly embarrassed about my confession. Of course these guys kept tabs on those of us who had implants. Listen, Marshal. As you know, Synthetic Corporations is tasked with the laws, regulations, and monitoring of all AI activity. Only us and a small number of companies are authorized to create AI programs. As you know, we've cracked down on anyone making private programs and platforms. Yes, sir. We've been chasing one person in particular. His name is Miles Price. Not only is this guy making his own platforms and programs, he's also a threat to this organization. He frequently hacks into our systems, steals information, shuts down partitions, hacks billboards, or causes some sort of calamity for us. From what we can tell, his AI is very advanced. We've tried to get him to play for our team, but he believes that we're an evil empire set to control the world. He has quite a following of people against us and the Safe Citizen program. They call themselves the Denizens. Sounds like a real nut job, but I'm still confused as to where I fit into all this. 
I leaned back in my chair, finally able to relax a bit, knowing this wasn't about me. Look, I know that this may sound run-of-the-mill, but this guy has a following that's growing on a daily basis. From what we can tell, his platforms are just as advanced as ours, and we have no idea how many he has made. This guy can spot our agents as soon as they get close to him, and he's been able to disrupt area surveillance wherever he goes. So you can see, Miles is in a position to quickly go from wacky nuisance to domestic terrorist. So why not just go in hard and take him down? With the following he has now, it could be a shit show. Once the word spread, his followers would be out for blood. We're talking riots. Plus, who knows how many other hackers work with him that are willing to cause problems, or how many AI platforms he has waiting to do God knows what. Not to mention the press might make it worse as well as people on the fence about the Safe Citizen program. They will have the ammo they need to vilify it, claiming that we can just lock up anyone for any reason in the name of safety. No, we need hard evidence. We need to be able to paint this guy as a threat with a screw loose. Most of all, we need to know what he wants and what he is capable of. I see. This is a delicate situation. What do you need me to do? We need you to infiltrate his inner circle and learn everything you can. You're not one of us, and we've already doctored your past so you won't raise any eyebrows. You would have all the freedoms that you're used to and will report directly to this team. Isn't there a hundred other freelancers out there that could do this? No. There was a very detailed list we used when we were looking for the right person, and you were the only one that was able to meet our requirements. You have training and intelligence, time and skill in the field, you've been augmented, you don't have the safe citizenship, and, most importantly, we learned that you were a decent musician when you were younger. Musician? What the hell does that have to do with anything? I was now officially back to being confused. Don't worry about that right now. James and Nick will fill you in tomorrow. I still haven't accepted. And we still haven't arrested you for modded implants. So, kind of a non-negotiable kind of thing, huh? See, you're gonna do great here. We have a room for you in one of our dormitories, and you'll meet with James and Nick in the morning. Mr. Kelly pressed the intercom button. The voice on the other end was the man who first met me at the car. Jesse, we're all done here. Please show Mr. Black to the dorms. The next morning, I was woken up by a knock at the door. Hey man, it's James. You up? I looked at the clock on the nightstand. It was 9.30 a.m. It's funny how being stressed out can make you sleep so hard. Yeah, give me a sec. I changed out of the sweats that were provided to me the night before and back into my clothes, fixed my hair in the mirror as quickly as I could, and opened the door to see James leaning against the wall waiting for me. <laughs> Sorry, I guess I slept in a little late. No worries, man. Let's walk and talk. You hungry? James motioned to the stairwell to our left. Yeah, I could eat. Good. Cafeteria's on the first floor. As we made our way down the stairs and around some turns to the cafeteria, James made some small talk and asked me about some of my history. Every time I told him something about my history, he would finish the story or state that he remembered reading that in my file. It was a little unnerving how much these guys knew about me. We each grabbed a tray and went through the buffet-style line. We then sat down to the table where Nick was already sitting. He had already finished his meal and was typing up some sort of report on his laptop. Morning! Nick said as he closed his laptop. James and I both returned the greeting, and there was a bit of silence as James and I were eating. Still confused from yesterday's meeting, I decided that I would break the silence. So guys, I have to ask... I get why I might have been chosen for this operation, but what the hell does being a musician have to do with anything? I mean, was he just messing with me? Oh, absolutely not. You remember that Ian said that Miles has been impossible to put surveillance on? I mean, the guy knows our every move before we make it. We need to get someone on the inside, someone close to him and his following. You see, the main reason Miles has had such a large voice is because of this band he is in. They are an up-and-coming heavy metal band called Kill Zero, he uses the band as a soapbox that shares views with his impressionable fans. 
So, you want me to join his band? I know this probably sounds like a joke to you, but it's honestly the best chance of getting someone on the inside. Yeah, you know, like how the FBI infiltrated biker gangs by having agents start at the bottom and then go through the ranks to get to the chapter president back in the 90s? <laughs> okay, so what, I just walk up to him and ask if he'll fire the band member and hire me? Well, kind of. We're going to make an opening in the group. The drummer has been showing an interest in Miles' cause. We'll remove him from the picture. And then you'll join up with him. It's a win-win, especially for us. Doesn't the whole band support the cause? No, the only other band member is the bassist slash vocalist, Isaac Blake. He really doesn't seem to give a shit about anything but the music, as far as we can tell. How do you plan on removing the drummer? I felt myself becoming quite entertained with this whole operation. It felt like something straight out of a comic. Marshall Black, covert operative by day, heavy metal drummer by night. <laughs> we'll take care of that while you're in training. That's all we want you to be focused on right now. James stated as he stood up from the table and picked up his tray. Follow me. I'll introduce you to the covert operations training coordinator and get you into the system. We both returned our trays. Nick stayed behind and opened up his laptop and started working on it again. I followed James outside where he led me to a golf cart. The training facility? That big building you saw out to your left as you entered the compound? That's where you're going to be staying. How long will I be in training? Well, given your experience in the field and with the intelligence gathering, it's going to be greatly reduced from the norm. I imagine a lot of it will be just learning our new laws, regulations, learning the processes, learning the systems and gadgets. You'll also have a music coach to help you get up to speed in case you've gotten a bit rusty in your old age. A lifestyle coach will prep you for the scene you're getting tossed into. This is our one shot. I can't have you blowing it. James was only half joking. We pulled up to a training facility. It was a large gray four-story building with three different wings. We walked inside where James introduced me to Caroline, who was my new training coordinator. After signing my life away and getting issued clothing and assigned my dorm room, James bid me farewell. I sat at the edge of my bed for a bit, taking this all in. I guess there's no turning back now. This isn't so bad, way better than the typical government work. But I knew Synthetic Corporation was my new employer, and it would probably remain that way the rest of my life. This isn't really the type of job you quit. There will always be some other big thing, bad guy or terrorist threat to attend to. I mean, it's not a bad thing, but I can't help but feeling like I've lost some piece of myself. That feeling of freedom that comes with being a freelancer. We rolled into the safe house somewhere around 2 in the morning. My four-week crash course went by quickly. I spent long days brushing up on skills, learning new tech, and the last week communicating with the guys in Kill Zero via messenger. They had sent me several songs that they wanted me to record myself playing. Once they deemed that I was good enough, they sent me all their songs to practice and get up to speed on. The rest of the time was them making sure that I fit into their group, I guess. I had told them that I was moving to the area and was looking for a band to join. <laughs> Nick had told me that after my first discussion with the band, there was a security breach within the Synthetic Corporation servers, specifically digging in the personnel files. Nick was sure that this was Miles running a check on me. Luckily, they had planned for that and all my information was kept elsewhere. After a week of back and forth with the band, they invited me into the group on a trial run. They asked if I could be there in a week for a show they had coming up. I agreed, but this meant that my training had to be bumped up. I averaged about four hours of sleep for the last seven days. I was ready for some rest. The safe house was a typical looking middle class dwelling. It was gray with a small lawn out front. The inside was already furnished, had two bedrooms, a small kitchen, and an open style dining slash living room. There was a small patio out back with a small table and a couple of chairs. Nice place. A little small, but nice. Yeah, we picked it up a while ago. Just had the whole place remodeled. Just for you. Wow, that's pretty awesome. Well, it was really just so we could do this. James walked into the smaller of the two bedrooms, opened the closet, and clipped a magnet on the light switch, allowing him to pull the switch cover out of the wall. 
The switch that controlled the lights was attached to a long box. On the top of it was a keypad. 62448. James said as he punched in the numbers. I heard a quiet pop and felt air on my face as he pushed the small wall open. The safe room has its own air supply in case you get gassed or who knows what. It also fireproof so you can withstand a hit from a nuclear missile. Okay, I may have made that last one up, but it's still pretty cool, right? James was obviously amused by my reaction. The safe room will double as your briefing room. It provides a direct connection to the handlers at Synthetic Corporation HQ, and all your briefings, intel, and anything else you will need will be done in this room. So, this is a direct line? It is. You can reach someone in the SIC at any time. Most of the time it'll be Nick, but when he's not there, another analyst will be there to help and redirect you to Nick. Fire it up, and check in with Nick back in HQ. James motioned me to sit at the desk. I turned on the power button, and immediately a voice came over the speaker. Biometric validation required. I put my thumbprint on the scanner to my right while looking into the built-in monitor camera with my left eye like I was shown in training. If this is not done within three seconds, or at the same time, the system locks down and HQ is notified. Biometric validation complete. SIC Special Agent Black, access level orange, TSSCI required. Second party. Biometric validation required. There are scanners in this room, so it knows if you are alone or not. If you are ever in trouble, just tell it that there is no one else in the room and it will inform us immediately. James logged himself into the system. The screen turned on, connected to the secure servers, and then Nick popped up on the screen. Oh hey guys, I see you've made it. Nick said, just briefly looking up long enough to see us, then back down at the laptop in front of him. Yeah, he's showing Marshall all of his new toys and gadgets. Nice, well let's get to it. Marshall? You will meet with the band tomorrow and the next day around noon. From there, you will practice with them and play a show with them that evening. James is going to stick around there during the entire operation for backup if you need it. You are in no way, shape, or form to talk to him except for from this room and never person to person. In the event of an emergency, use your panic button and James and Synthetic Corporation will be notified of your location. This is only to be used as a last resort as your cover will be blown. I'm assuming you were trained on how to use it. Yes. Good, let's give it a try real quick. I reached into my pocket and grabbed the small clicker that James had given to me earlier. It was about the size of a dime. I squeezed it between my thumb and index finger until I heard a small click and held it for five seconds. This sent a wireless signal to my data pad. I then looked at the box marked confirm for three seconds. After the pop-up left, it took about 15 seconds for Nick to confirm the alert. I've got it, Marshall. Thank you. Remember, you only have five seconds to confirm the panic alarm. After that, it resets the signal. Yeah, meaning if you're unconscious or dead, it's not gonna work for you. So try to use it before shit gets too real. Remember to report in every 48 hours. SIC tends to get a little antsy when operatives go dark for too long. Any other questions? Yeah, how did the operation with the drummer go? There was a long pause. I looked over at James who was looking down at the ground. Nick broke the silence. Not as planned. The team was preparing to enter and heard a gunshot. They found the target dead on the floor. The wound was self-inflicted. He must have had a camera we didn't see or something. He ate a bullet when he saw a stack up on the door. We should have been more thorough though when we did our surveillance. I was team lead. It is my fault. We don't know that. Could have just been bad timing. The target showed signs of delusional behavior and paranoia prior to our investigation. What? The band didn't mention this to me at all. When did this happen? I was shocked and a little pissed I was not informed of this until now. The operation carried out the same night you arrived at Synthetic Corporation. It's likely that the band saw the same mental issues that we did, and you, not being a for sure member yet, they probably didn't feel the need to clue you into their personal matters. How is the band taking it? Shit, it's only been like three weeks since then. Isaac was pretty upset about it. We think it hit a little close to home because he himself is battling with his own identity issues. Miles is angry and of course questioning everything. So be prepared for some heightened emotions. The operation came out clean, however. We left the body and notified the police as a concerned neighbor and let them recover the body. 
Well, it's getting late. We'll let you settle in and prep for tomorrow. Thanks, Nick. We'll be in touch. Good luck, gentlemen. Secure connection terminated. Good luck, man. With any luck, we won't see each other again until after this thing is wrapped up. Be safe. James shook my hand and walked out of the safe room. I heard him exit the front door. This is it. I felt my stomach turn a little as the reality set in. I had a difficult time sleeping that night. The weight of this operation was heavy on my mind. I eventually woke up around 9 o'clock and made some coffee. While sitting at the dining table, I reviewed my cover story and the profiles of Isaac and Miles again to make sure I wasn't missing any important information. Afterwards, I secured the files in the safe room and got dressed. I can't remember the last time I wore t-shirt and jeans. This was going to take some getting used to. I had about an hour before the meeting, so I spent that time driving around and familiarizing myself with the five mile radius around the safe house. I showed up at the practice location at 11.45. A car pulled in beside me around 12.15. Two men got out of the vehicle. The driver was 5'9", had a medium build and wore glasses. The passenger was stockier than the driver and had dreadlocks. I recognized them from their profiles immediately. I got out of the car and walked up to the driver. Hi, I'm Marshall. Isaac. The passenger walked over at this point. Hey man, Miles. Nice to finally meet you guys in person. I kinda dig your outfit, man. You got that James Dean thing going on. Yeah, I like the classic look. It's either this or a suit and tie. Nothing wrong with that. Eh, I'm more of a whatever is cheap and functional kind of guy. Whatever works for you, I guess. Well, you guys ready to go make some noise or what? Sure, let's do this. I followed them inside. The practice space was a rented studio apartment that they modified with noise-canceling foam on the walls. They had a lot of nice gear, and it was obvious they took this very seriously. We went through the set for tomorrow night's show twice and took a break. That was pretty good, man. This just might work out, Isaac said as we sat down on the couch. Thanks, man. I'm pretty excited that I found a good band to play with so quickly. Yeah, we've been playing for a little while now, and we've reached the point where we're playing a lot of shows. We had a drummer that was with us from the beginning, but he passed away about three weeks ago. I didn't expect to jump into this discussion so soon. What? I'm so sorry to hear that. Now I feel kind of bad about being excited to drum for you guys. Yeah, it was a hard choice to continue moving forward without him. But when the police searched his house, they found a note. It said, just because he was leaving, it shouldn't stop the band from moving forward. Isaac was trying to stay positive, and honestly having a hard time with it. That's fucking bullshit, Isaac. Calm down, Miles. It is what it is. He obviously had some demons that he was dealing with. No way, man. He wouldn't have killed himself like that. That wasn't his note. We don't know anything yet, Miles. If some sort of evidence shows up that there was any kind of foul play, then maybe we can go from there. But there's not. I'm sorry. Well, it was good practice, at least. Are we going to do this tomorrow, Marshall? For sure, man. Okay, well, I got to go take care of a few things now, so I'll see you guys tomorrow then. All right. See you later, Miles. Sorry about that. Miles kind of big on conspiracy theories and it kind of clouds his judgment sometimes really like what a lot of things his big one is that the safe citizen project is trying to control the human race and that synthetic corporation is trying to rule the world i keep trying to tell him that it's on his head look at all the great things that come out of synthetic corporation i mean i haven't been chipped or anything but i'm definitely not opposed to it our previous drummer was kind of getting on board with them before he killed himself so of course, Miles thinks it's some kind of fucking huge conspiracy. I tried pointing out that maybe him getting on board 
was a sign of his increasing mental illness. It was just one of the straws that broke the fucking camel's back. Miles just needs to understand that there's no big boogeyman out there trying to get us. I think in reality, we choose to be our own boogeyman most of the time. Wow, that's pretty deep, man. I am sorry though, not only for your loss, but I kind of feel like I'm jumping into the middle of something that's pretty personal with you guys. Nah, I feel it's a good thing to be able to tell you these things. I think you're going to fit in well with us. I stood up from the couch to help Isaac roll up the rest of the cords and put away the gear. We finished up with the gear and said our goodbyes. After we left, I returned home and ordered some pizza and filled Nick in on today's meeting. With a lot of the jitters gone, I was actually tired and fell asleep around 9 o'clock. The next day we practiced again and went out for dinner before the show. We talked about our history, well, their history and my made up history, and had a good time. If I wasn't after Miles, I could actually see myself hanging out with these guys. We were playing at a medium-sized venue that night with another popular band. The show went great, and after the last song, Isaac said a few words about the previous drummer, and then announced me as the new drummer for Kill Zero, which took me by surprise. After the show, we sat backstage and talked for a little bit, and we all agreed that I was going to be a new permanent member of the band. It had been so many years since I last played, I almost forgot how amazing it felt to be on stage. We agreed to practice again tomorrow, and then we went our separate ways. I arrived home and updated Nick that I was accepted into the band. Now it was time for the real work to begin. He told me that he'd be informing me of objectives as soon as he gets them from the director. I disconnected with Nick and decided to watch some TV. And after about 15 minutes, fell asleep on the couch. I suddenly woke up. I felt very disoriented, and it seemed difficult to move at first. Something didn't feel right. Probably just the excitement and sleeping on this shitty couch. I stood up to head to my bedroom when I heard something in the spare bedroom. Shit. The safe room. Someone is in here. I quickly moved to the kitchen and grabbed my 9mm from the drawer as quietly as possible. I then made my way to the bedroom. I could hear papers being shuffled around. How did they breach the safe room? I took cover against the wall, took a deep breath and spun around the corner with my weapon drawn. On the ground now! I commanded. But I didn't quite know what I was looking at. A man turned and looked at me. He was about seven feet tall and wearing some sort of futuristic looking metal armor that had SK-7 stenciled on the right side of his chest plate. Before I could do anything, he launched forward at me with a speed that didn't seem possible. I started to pull the trigger on my weapon, but the recoil I was anticipating never happened. I found myself pinned against the wall by this man or machine. I, I didn't know which. I looked down at my weapon. It was no longer in my hand. It was now, somehow, in the hand of my attacker. The power this thing had was unbelievable. I was certain that this was it. I was going to die. Your investigation is over. Walk away from this. It doesn't concern you. What are you? That is also of no concern to you. Just know that whatever you, your team, and Miles thinks is going on, you are all wrong and endangering something bigger than all of you. It tossed my weapon and shoved me harder into the wall. I could feel the plaster crack in the drywall cave as it pushed off of me and quickly made its way into my bedroom and slammed the door behind it. 
I picked myself up, grabbed my weapon, and ran into my bedroom. I opened the door and I ran inside, only to find myself outside of my front door, facing the street. I was trying to wrap my head around what was happening. Everything was different. The cars looked different. There were neon lights all over the place. And I could see a giant electronic billboard at the end of my street. The skyline was different. I was surrounded by high-rise buildings and what appeared to be some sort of helicopter was flying off in the distance. I turned around to look at my house. It, it, it looked similar, but definitely different. Then I heard something behind me. I told you to leave this alone. You don't belong here. <clears throat> I felt a sharp pain in the back of my head and then everything went dark. When I woke up, I was still on the couch. Was that a dream? I slowly got up and walked over to the window to look outside, almost afraid of what I might see. <sighs> Everything looked normal, but it all felt so real. Still unsure, I checked the kitchen drawer for my weapon. <laughs> I opened the drawer and chuckled to myself when I saw that it was indeed there. <sighs> Shook off the heebie-jeebies and I made some coffee. I decided that I should probably check in with Nick to see if he had any updates on any objectives. I walked into the spare bedroom when something caught my eye. I turned around and felt my stomach turn as I stared at the man-sized dent in the wall across from the doorway. It was real. Thanks for listening to Marshall Black Chapter 1, a multimedia journey into the unknown created by Zero Kill Studios. Be sure to catch more chapters from Marshall, Miles, and Isaac by subscribing wherever you listen to podcasts. With each chapter, a song from the band will also be released. The song for this chapter, Facing Time, can also be found at your favorite streaming sites. The sight, the sound,